I want to invite Rita to come up. Many of you know Rita. She's going to be telling you a little bit about herself as well as she brings a word of good news to us tonight. So I've been at Bethany since 1990, a long time. But even going back further than that, I was a cradle Methodist. I've been a Methodist all my life. I'm the great-great-granddaughter of a Methodist circuit rider preacher. I even have 12 years of perfect attendance in Sunday school. We could miss, but we had to bring a bulletin from the church we went to if we were out of town. And I know that many of you through the ministries that I have been called here to serve at in Bethany. And I'm going to share my story tonight about where God has been at work in my life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit, that your words you have given me touch the hearts of those who hear them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My scripture is Romans 5, 1 through 5, and it says this. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we stand now and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into the problems and trials for we know that you, they help us to develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. It's a scripture that came to me. It's not one that I knew readily, but the words seem so appropriate for my life. Um, I quit attending churches, church in my 20s. My husband at the time was not a Christian. He didn't want to go to church. He didn't want to have anything to do with it. He called himself an agnostic, but I had always gone to church. So I went back occasionally. I went when my children were born. I had them baptized. Went at Easter. I went at Christmas. But I missed church, and I missed going regularly. But there were so many things going on in my life at the time. Small children, a job, a career, a marriage, being a young family. And then, of course, life. We got transferred from Sugarland to Bryan. I decided this was the time I needed to go back to church because I had not been alone. I moved further away from my family. I used to be only 30 minutes away from my mom. She told me I moved away way too far north. We're three and a half hours away. Um, but I felt alone. I joined a Sunday school class, had my children in children's activities, and I started attending BSF. But all this time, I was really struggling in my marriage. My husband was physically and emotionally abusive. What do I do? I didn't believe in divorce at all. But out of desperation, I sought counseling. I prayed. I sought counseling. Some more. All Christian, all Christian community. I didn't have much hope that they would give me advice that would make a difference. I didn't have hope that they would give me advice to leave my marriage. But I knew this was not how God called me to live in his ministry. I was surprised. 
These people, these Christian people guided me through the scriptures, gave me things that comforted me, and I made the decision to leave. And now I had a hope of a safer life. I didn't realize God's hand was in this because I never expected that he would give me direct answers. You know, God answers prayers, but does he really give you direct answers? No. I, I, I don't think I believed God answered prayers. Wasn't it up to me to make the right decisions? How many of us have done that? As I stood at church one Sunday morning with my face swollen and a broken and a black eye from a broken cheek, two of my friends in my Sunday school class that I had been attending for several years told me, you cannot leave your husband. It's not biblical. All right, here comes the doubts. Was I doing the right thing? Should I have stayed? Was there something else I could have done? Doesn't it say in scripture God hates divorce? But eventually God revealed to me that he hates divorce because it hurts people. He loves us so much that he wants us to protect us from that hurt. I still don't believe divorce is the best way. But I know when we made the decision that that separates us from God, he is waiting for us to come back into his arms and to live in his grace. There were so many things that God did in my life, and I'm only going to hit a few highlights. I promise I won't be here for two hours because I could do that. But I'm only going to hit the highlights. He guided me in so many ways. He put me in a church that I attended. Even though two people hurt me, they never spoke of it again. Every else, everything else that happened there sculpted my life in so many ways. There was a new young pastor that got me involved in a youth program, began to teach seventh grade Sunday school. I didn't want to go to the bars. I was alone. I hated being alone when my kids were gone. And so he, I started a pizza and movie Friday night with the kids. I took the church van, picked them up at home. Their parents loved it. Took them home when we got through, and we did that every Friday night. I, I say they saved my life in Christ, because without it, I, I don't know that I would have stayed in God's presence. It is also the beginning of a special relationship with a special man, Bill Thompson. I knew his stepsisters, but not him. He began to attend the same Sunday school class. We attended singles events together. He was, he was a leader in that program. But something made me ask him to help me with the Friday night pizza and movie. I guess you could say I hooked him with a request <laughs> to help chaperone the youth. Hope was alive and well in that church. And we've now been married 33 years with blessed by God in many ways. And I thank God that he guided me to that church I'd found a home there, but he didn't leave me where I was. I had two small boys when I divorced, and they were a handful, a story for another time. My first husband and I had true joint custody, same bus stop, same babysitters, school conferences together. We really worked hard at being parents the best way we could. He was never abusive to them, only me. And so, they had their own home, their own rooms, everything, just to create that. And then the bottom fell out. My ex got transferred out of town. And he told me he had to fight for custody. He knew he had to let his boys know that he fought for them, no matter what. Wow, what am I going to do now? I prayed. 
I counseled. I prayed some more. I was desperate, and I cried out to God, and what do I do? My oldest son has ADHD. He had issues in school that were um, kind of embarrassing to him, and he needed a change. Is he asking me to let them go with their dad? I will never forget the day that I got that answer. I was driving back to the post office as a rural route carrier. God came to me in the car. I can take you back to the place today. I saw an aura, a face, not defined. I heard a voice. He reminded me at that time of a question that I had in a small group in BSF years before. The question, if God asked me, would you let your son go for me? And I said, yes. We had been studying the story of Abraham and Isaac. We all know that story, right? When that question was asked. But I, in that day in the car, I heard God repeat that question to me. Would you let them go for me? And I had to say yes. Their dad and I came to an agreement where he had them during the school week. I had them at all other times except for occasional weekends or vacation in the summer, all summer, all vacation, all holidays, everything. At one point, my youngest son said, we see you more than we see our dad. That was the plan. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I did the best I could with that decision. Um, but of course, you know, doubt comes in. God sent people to assure me that I made the right decision. His teacher said, your boys don't have the same issues that a lot of divorced kids have. And I prayed and thank God that that was the case. But the devil didn't give up on me. He played on my pain, not having kids with me all the time. And, and no matter whether you feel like it's the right decision, it still hurts when you can't be there for their school activity on a Tuesday afternoon or any of the other things that happened during the school week. And the worst was my family and friends. How can you give up your kids? I didn't see it as giving up. I saw it as giving myself up for my kids. But people didn't see it that way. I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that God had showed me that day in that car on my way back to work. I still can hear his voice and see that image today. And I still know the place that it happened. Hope, that's what it gave me. God knew I needed to see something extraordinary to get my attention. I'm pretty hard-headed. God comes to us each and every one of us in a way that's important to us. Not my story. He comes to you in the way that you need to hear him. For me, it was this way. I learned to be open to believe him and then to expect that he's going to answer me, whether it's what I imagine or whether it's what God sees, because he knows what's best for us. It doesn't matter if you can imagine what he is. If you open up, he will show you un unbelievable answers to your prayer. So in my 40s and 50s, we're moving right along. God does not leave us where we are. In the summer of 1992, Bill and I had been in Austin for about two years. We moved here for his job, and I hurt my back at work in the post office. I was off work fighting the system for money, no income, while I was waiting on federal workers' comp, and then Bill lost his job. That summer, we had all three of our children at our house my two boys and Bill's daughter, living on $600 a month. 
how are we going to pay rent until the back pay comes in or until I return to work? I didn't see it. Didn't, I worried about it. I can remember going to Caritas for food, and the, and the lady offered me food, and I said, no, there's other people that need it worse than me. And she said, not right now, there isn't. And I thought, that's humbling. I mean, it's really hard. But God took care of us, and I didn't recognize immediately how he protected our kids. The air conditioning in that house that summer, in the summer, in July, went out. And the owner lived in Colorado and was not going to be in town to fix it. And so we were there without paying rent. It kept a roof over our head until our income got changed again. Years later, when I was talking to our kids about this and asking what they remember about that time, they didn't remember. It was all good times. God had protected them from that pain and that, that scaredness that comes from not knowing where, where you're going to be. They don't even remember that situation at all. After seeing God and knowing his presence with me, I became a professional volunteer. That's what I called myself. Six, seven days a week. Y'all think I do a lot now and then, but let me tell you. I knew that I was called to be in ministry and to do things. I just wanted to march in and take charge of things. And I know those of you who know me don't believe that, but... <laughs> After all, if I volunteered in Jesus' ministries, wasn't that paying God back for what he did for me and all the times that he's been in my life? But in 1994, I went on a walk to Emmaus. On the first day of that walk, I knew I was going to be a lay director, which is the leader of that walk of the three-day event. I spent the rest of the time figuring out all the things that they were doing and how they were doing it and how I could make it better. But God has a sense of humor. He knew I wasn't ready. It took seven years before I became a lay director. I had to surrender my will. I had to surrender my ability to take charge to God's will. And that was hard. I look back and I see he was pruning me and he was guiding me and he was giving me things. But when I finally surrendered to him and said, I guess I didn't hear right. God lifted me up and put me on a walk. And for those of you who know, it usually takes a year and a half out of advanced training. It was six months before the walk happened. Perfect for me. It was his perfect timing. And there were so many miracles that happened on that walk beyond belief. I'll share that sometime if y'all ask. But as I continued to serve, I began to wonder, what do I believe? Do I believe in God? Have any of you ever doubted what you believe even after you've been in church all this time? Nobody knew that I felt that way, even my husband. He had no idea. I was a 40-year-old woman who had been in church all her life. Why was I doubting? How could, I, how could that be? I told myself, even if that wasn't true, I was a better person for living the way Jesus taught us. That was my rationale. I could do better things if I just lived that way. I still did not understand all God expects of us, nor did I know how to totally believe or how to really expect what God has. I slowly had slowly fallen back into that. It's up to me to write, make the right decisions, right? This was the time when Alpha was just starting at our church. And I started it the first time that we were in church. We were in with the rock. Wasn't done here, was done off site. 
and we were doing it together. And I can remember going into that small, first small group setting and all these simple questions they asked. And I sat there and I thought, I can answer all these questions. I might intimidate them. So I quit. I don't think God liked that very much, but the next Alpha session, fortunately somebody saw something in that and asked me to be an assistant table leader so I could go through it. We didn't have enough people that were involved enough at the time to, to serve on teams, so some of the people had to be new. That's when my ego came into play. This would allow me to give them the answers. I could be in charge. Oh, I bet God was laughing. On, there's a weekend away on Alpha, and I had another encounter with Jesus. I experienced a manifestation of the Holy Spirit during a worship service that began, that was beyond explanation. Never had I ever felt the Holy Spirit's presence like I did that day. And I knew God was leading me to a deeper relationship with him by revealing myself, himself to me. And I was being shown again what it means to believe and what it means to expect his answer, to give myself totally to him. Please understand, I'm not saying this is the way it has to be. It isn't. I, it is different for everybody. For me, I had to be knocked up outside the head to open my eyes. I continued to volunteer in the church and many ministries, including Alpha, and I saw many people's lives changed by serving in those ministries, by sharing that experience that I had with them. People who came to know Jesus that were never, had never known Jesus. People who gave up their life to be saved. People who started new ministries like the pet ministry. All those things, people attended Alpha and it moved their life and I was able to be a part of that. It was very rewarding. But life goes on. And my work situation changed with a significant loss of money and I no longer enjoyed my job. Since my relationship with Jesus had changed, I felt so much closer to God. He was my calling me into ministry, not ordination, although I did toy with that idea for a very short period of time, very short. But as an employee of the church, his timing was amazing. I can't say I acted on the first inkling, but learned that the decision that I needed to make was one, was the use of the resources he put in front of me. Talking with people, praying, getting advice, and then putting it all before God. Believing he answered my prayers and giving me blessings, I quit my job at AT&T. And I became the director of evangelism at Bethany. It felt like the perfect job. I still have a passion for evangelism. I still have a passion for ministry here. I felt it was truly my calling, and I thought I would always be working at the church. But of course, when you put your life in God's hands, he will surely be part of your life. And after a year, short year, my old co-worker came to me and said, I want to talk to you about a job. And I'm thinking, why am I even talking to her? I didn't get it. I had the perfect job, except for the pay. Why was... <laughs> Why was I feeling the need to consider it? Why didn't I just say no? Why was God nudging me to consider this offer? I've learned to trust these times when that happens and when I feel God's nudging, to listen to God when he nudged me, 
not lightly, but with much prayer and much counsel and much prayer. And AT&T made me an offer I could not refuse. It was triple my salary. And there were people in this audience today that were part of my decision-making process, people who listened to me, who gave me advice, who told me ways to seek out what his will was for me. We had been struggling financially because I lost a lot of income in my old job. What I didn't know at the time was that our daughter's husband would walk out on her while she was in the hospital, leaving in a five-month-old and a less than two-year-old, beautiful baby boys to care for her on her own. She'd been in the hospital for seven weeks with a lifelong illness that she still has today. We would have probably, she needed our support both financially and emotionally and we would probably lost our house without the additional financial resources. But this allowed her to be there with her boys, to heal, and to get her life back on track through all of this. God knew what was in store. I didn't. I had no idea. But he put a place and plan for me to help me get through that and to help Bill and I both to take that through to the next step. If I had not listened to him nudging me, and gone where he directed, we could have possibly lost everything we had again. And I've learned from that experience that I can believe and that I can expect God's answered prayers in ways he knows I need, and you can too. Remember, this is the way he communicates with me, but not the same for everyone. But if we all believe, he will answer. And then if we expect to see that answer, he will reveal that to us. Not necessarily the way you imagine it, but he will, he will have an answer for you. And I've finally learned to trust that God is going to, what God is going to show up. And I've learned to pray for every decision in my life, however small. And I've learned to practice the spiritual disciplines to keep my focus on Jesus Christ. And these are only a few of the stories of how God has guided my life. And I can't wait to see where God is leading me next. I wish I had been open to the belief and the expectation that God answers all prayers from that first extraordinary experience in my car, but I did not. I missed out on seeing Jesus on a day-to-day -day basis until later in life. My hope for each of you, no matter where you are, is that, it's that he sees that you see him, you believe in him, and that you expect to see the answers. Not as we see them, but as God sees them. It's never too late, it's never too early to walk closer with Christ and be blessed by his answered prayers. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, take these words and stories and use them to remind all of us that you are there to walk with each of us Help them feel your presence in all these things. Believe in you and to expect to see your answer to their prayers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.